Hey, it's Becca. And it's Nancy. And this is Insane Investigations. Hey again. We're Hello. back with the two-parter that we promised. Possibly a three-parter. We'll see how we get on. Exactly, yeah. So we're covering a case tonight that's a little bit different to what we've been doing. We've been doing a lot of Irish cases mm-hmm. and then we kind of did uh, horror. Mm-hmm. Um, Tonight we're going back to true crime. Yes, we are. It's a very, very long story. It's a very, very dark story. From, and it's a very crazy story. Yeah, too. like from the get go, like we're not even, I don't even think we're going to get into the bad shit in this episode. No. Um, We're I think it's just going to be the background because there's just so much information. Yeah, the background with little sprinkles of darkness. Yeah, just to ease you in a little ease bit. You in. So just a warning: mm-hmm. if you're not in for it, maybe this isn't the episode for you. Yeah, like Becca said, it is going to be a long one. We're going to see how many parts we can get this in. Maybe two parts, maybe three. We'll just see how we go. But yeah, just make sure you get yourself comfortable, get yourself a little snack, something to drink, and let's get into this. Let's get into it. Today we're going to be covering a case that you probably already know. We're covering the case of Dorothea Puente, and I think mm-hmm. I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Also known as the Death House Landlady. She's known. She's known as a lot of different things. Yeah. I won't go into it too much right now. We're just going to start with a little bit of a background on who Dorothea was, where she was from. Dorothea was born on January 9th, 1929 in Redland, San Bernardino County. I really hope I'm pronouncing that correct. You did, yeah. Oh, thank you. Well done. Me. California. So she was given the name Dorothea Helen Gray and she grew up in quite a big family. So she was the six to seven children And she was also the second youngest. So their family was actually quite poor while she was growing up. Um, Her parents, Trudy Gray and Jesse James Gray, were both heavy alcoholics. Because of that, while she was growing up, they were quite neglective of her. And there was like even accounts that basically she had to go around like scavenging for food. On top of that as well, they were often abusing drugs or because they're alcoholics, they were obviously locked a lot of the times, which led to a lot of the neglect. So her father was a World War One veteran and he suffered a lot afterwards, like after he went to war. And he ended up being diagnosed with tuberculosis. I'm assuming from the war he probably suffered from like PTSD, but he was diagnosed with depression and he was often suicidal as well. Yeah, and he would be like very vocal about how suicidal he was mm-hmm. like in front of the kids and like he'd be waving a gun around and they'd be like begging him not to which is just oh, a heartbreaking image to have and mm-hmm. this is what i mean by it's dark from the very start yeah um he doesn't get diagnosed with tuberculosis until later on but mm-hmm. after the war he suffered a lot with his lungs and stuff like that and eventually like, led eventually to- it led to so he was kind of sick from when he got back with between the depression and his actual physical effects Mm -hmm. now the thing was this was obviously back way back when and what would it have been like 1930s probably at this stage but therapy wasn't a big thing and mental health wasn't a big thing the way it is like nowadays so jesse didn't get a lot of help and support 
that he would have got if he would have been suffering from these things today. And unfortunately, his wife Trudy as well was not very comforting when it came to Jesse's situation. She didn't want the family by the sounds of things. No, um, I got that vibe as well. Yeah, definitely. like she apparently she actually said at one point that she didn't want kids she didn't Mm -hmm. like her kids she didn't she wasn't even indifferent to her kids she didn't like them yeah and that's that's like like imagine growing up in that type of environment it's just horrific so dorothea in particular got it the worst from her mother and when jesse got sick this only made matters worse she spent days at a time missing leaving the children alone and would often lock Dorothea and her younger brother in a closet for days. Yeah, I was um, shocked when I read that part. Yeah, she would then come home after drinking for days, um, vomit everywhere and make the children clean it up. So they would Aww. be locked in a closet for days. No food, no water, nothing. And then you come out and you have to clean up your mom's vomit. Vomit. No. Like. Just no. They were, it was horrific. They were horrifically abusive. They didn't feed the kids and that kind of left them with no other choice than to beg for food on the streets where unfortunately Dorothea was sexually abused a lot, taken advantage of a lot. God. They were just sick. Yeah. So. Literally. There were some neighbours um, that would bathe and feed them at times because they had hearts and they could see that, you These know, kids they're, they're not just going to leave them there. Mm-hmm. Dorothea claims that most of the neighbours who helped them were Mexican families and that she really felt like they were her real family, family because they oh. took her in and cared for her and looked That's after so her. It is. It is really devastating. Like just neighbours providing a child with literally its basic needs and for that child to be like, I feel like they're my family. Yeah. And when she had like such an awful home life. So much so that for years she told people that she was born and raised in Mexico with two amazing parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes sense Um, though. We will see later on, she does tend to lie a lot about her past. So do bear with us a little bit. It was extremely difficult research in this case because there's so much conflicting information. Yeah. So we're going to do our best here. We're going to obviously put everything in the resources Mm -hmm. section in the episode description like we always do. But there's a lot of things that kind of contradict. So we're doing our best. Just... Bear, Bear with us, us please. <laughs> um, and if you want to have a look at the specifics yourself, you can go and have a look at all mm-hmm. the links we leave. The family ended up um, having to move to Los Angeles because Jesse was really, really getting sick okay. at this point. He was bedridden, he couldn't work, and he needed to be close to the VA hospital. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So Trudy had to provide for the family, and she ended up taking jobs as a sex worker. Mm-hmm. The children also had to get jobs on local farms. So Dorothea would have been like four or five and working on a farm all day in like the heat of California. That's like insane. That's abuse. (laughs) Yeah, literally abuse. But when she was six years old, her and her siblings were actually taken from their parents after a family member reported their abusive behavior. It's just sad that um, it took that long. I mean, I'm happy yeah. that somebody found out and they and actually reported up. it. 
But yeah. it's just sad that they had to suffer for that long. Yeah. Trudy was taking her clients home with her. And yeah. They would have been brought up like witnessing. Yeah. All and it was just, it awful. was really a horrific childhood. You're not going to feel sorry for her for long. No. no. <laughs> Literally no. The seven children were split up and sent to live with different relatives, which was devastating. Siblings getting split mm-hmm. up is just, like, it just makes me... Yeah, it's so sad. I can't yeah. even imagine having to go through that. No, Even though me, me and my sister fight all the time. Hey, Jen. <laughs> but, yeah, we do have fights, but at the end of the day, like, I feel like if anything was to happen to her, I would, like sacrifice myself for her oh yeah definitely. obviously yeah i used to always say that about my brother and sister because like we'd kill each other but the minute like somebody said a bad word about them like that was it that like, was the it. end like, like, that was the end yeah no i get that <laughs> i feel that myself they were split up which was devastating especially since dorothea's older siblings like kind of raised her and they were looking after her and apparently she actually referred to them as her parents she did say when asked that she wanted to live with her dad or her sister she said that she just specifically did not want to live with her mother because Mm -hmm. she gets drunk and mean which says a lot in itself yeah like so many kids Kids want to go to their mom they want to be with their mom like regardless yeah but like she's like i'll go with my dad i'll go with my sister i just don't i just want to go with her yeah so when dorothy was a little bit older i'm not gonna go into the specifics of her age because yeah. it contradicts a yeah. lot in the resources that we we looked through mm-hmm. she was in and around between six and eight years old when all of this went down mm-hmm. her father was granted custody of her however this was around the time that he was diagnosed with tuberculosis and he passed away a month later so she only got a month actually living with just her dad yeah for some unbelievable reason apparently she was returned to her mother after her father passed away and her alcohol abuse worsened and unfortunately so did her abuse of dorothea the kids were taken from her again after the kids school reported her and dorothea and her siblings were sent to the church of christ home trudy passed away a year later leaving the children orphans dorothea was fostered by family members and some really nice families like she said that they were really nice Mm -hmm. but she just kept running away in 1944 she went to live with her brother jim and his wife louise in napa Mm -hmm. she was in high school at this point and she became like really popular because this is when she kind of started retreating into her own like fantasy world Mm -hmm. and fabricating all these crazy stories so people were like giving her attention giving her attention yeah i did i did read that as long as i was researching that she was like a crazy attention seeker like to the point where she carried that like throughout her whole life yeah so as like, soon as she found out that like, hey, if I say all these mad elaborate stories, people are going to be interested in me. They want to spend time with me because she was so neglected growing up. She was like, this is my moment. This is what I need to do. So unfortunately, her popularity was short lived and she ran away again. Mm-hmm. So I think people started kind of catching on that she was lying, like mm-hmm. her stories weren't matching up and yeah. it was just kind of starting to get a bit ridiculous. So unfortunately, her popularity was short lived and when she was 16, she ran away and she kind of set off on her own this time. Mm-hmm. In 1945, she ended up in Washington She met some friends living on the streets and got involved in sex work. She was described as a very beautiful woman, so she could easily find work when she was 
doing this. Mm-hmm. This is what people were saying. This isn't what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but during this time, World War II was going on and a lot of soldiers were returning to the US. And this is when Dorothea met Fred McFall. So originally Fred was just a client of Dorothea. However, he ended up falling in love with her. He would come back and he would basically just pay her to like sit and talk to him. So a bit weird, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna do it. Just like um, Pretty Woman. I've never seen that. Oh my God. I've never seen that. I, oh I know it's iconic and I really need to watch it. It's been on my list for years. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched it in years, but... I've n- Yeah, I've heard it's like yeah. one of the movies that you need to see. So, yeah, I'm going to watch it, but I haven't seen Pretty Woman yet. But I know the gist. I know what it's about. Yeah. Anyway, so one night he proposed to her and they ended up running away and they got married in Nevada. So she was 16 at the time, but on her marriage search, she said she was 30 years old and she went by an alias... Cheryl, Rochelle, or Rochelle, Raquel? Rochelle, I think. I don't know. Anyways. It wasn't a real name, anyways. It wasn't a real name. Anyway, so he apparently enjoyed her crazy stories and he found them endearing. Yeah. So everyone else found them as like, what the hell is she on about? But he was like, ah, that's cute. Yeah, but like at first, like she was just saying like that she used to be a rocket and like just these little like white lies. And I think I read somewhere like he found it like kind of cute, like almost like she was trying to like impress him, impress him mm-hmm. kind of. So he just kind of went well, along with didn't it. Didn't say much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as time went on, though, he kind of started worrying that maybe like there's something wrong with her. Because she was continued to lie like a lot and her story was just like the stories and the little lies she'd make up would just get like crazier and crazier and they were constantly changing as well. So it just yeah. sounded like she was a complete like pathological liar at this point. So in 1946, she gave birth to a daughter and another daughter then the following year. So she hated being a mother like immediately. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, so she kind of followed in the footsteps of her mom. Mhm. I'm starting to think like maybe postpartum depression. Yeah. Because, very plausible. Like why would you like I know looks Especially back then, like there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of contraception, like people got pregnant. But it seemed like she wanted the babies until she had she them. She had them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she ended up sending one of her daughters to live with a relative, and then with her second daughter, she went into labor while Fred was actually at work. And when she gave birth, she ended up putting the baby like in foster care without even telling Fred about it. Obviously, he did not agree to like any of this, and he went and he actually did try to get his daughter back, but at that point, Dorothy had already signed away rights, so he couldn't like do anything about it but the good news is apparently later on in life they did end up eventually like meeting each other yeah so, so. it wasn't the end but you, you're my heart does go out to him like imagine imagine your partner being pregnant and being so excited and then she comes home not pregnant with no baby and she's like oh i just gave it up for foster care yeah anyways at the time fred did try to make their marriage work so he did actually like you know put effort into it but after just a short period of time she was leaving for weeks at a time like basically to work and stuff and she ended up falling pregnant again in 1947 and this time it wasn't actually fred's baby apparently it was like one of her clients or something she ended up like falling pregnant yeah we don't know exactly who this baby's father was um but either way she ended up having a miscarriage so she didn't successfully give birth to that baby so after all of this fred eventually divorced her and he like this was basically the final straw after finding out that she had a baby with another man after divorcing fred 
She went back to the streets of California where she stole money. Which, I mean, she was homeless. But the forging the checks, I mean, okay, but... That was such a common thing in the past. Like, that's not even... Yeah. I feel like that's not really a thing anymore. Like, who no. uses checks? Yeah, that's I don't true. think I've ever even I think seen rich people check. do. Well, I ain't rich, so I yeah. mean, the answer is that question. Yeah, no. <laughs> we broke. But eventually, at the age of 19, she was caught in the act of forging checks and was arrested. Okay, so I have the story of what happened when she got arrested. So one day, she was in a shop, right? And she was trying to pay with a forged check. So the shopkeeper was like, something is really suspicious, but like just the way she was going about it, like she just seemed sus. At this point as well, she was also like a raging alcoholic too. So she was just like disheveled. Like she just seemed like an odd individual. Like they were really like suspicious of her. So they ended up going and calling the police because they wanted to report her because they were like, she's acting strange. Yeah. They were trying to kind of keep her in in the shop, like waiting for the police to arrive. So they were there like talking to her, like trying to make small talk. Yeah, which in turn made her suspicious yeah so what did she, she do sketchy as fuck <laughs> yeah so she was like wait a minute i'm just trying to pay for these items like why is your man trying to like talk to me kind like, of thing hold a conversation yeah so she was like sketch out then she decides to just leg it out of the shop she just yeah. ran right so like the police <laughs> she ran and she ended up just hopping on like the first bus that came by she just like hopped on the bus and was like yeah. see us but while she was doing that, like while she was running out of the shop, the police arrived, right? So they ended up like clearly seeing her going to the shop. Shopkeeper was like, that's her there. See her one hopping on the bus. Yeah. So the police ended up like looking at the bus. They seen what bus number was. They knew where the bus was going. Yeah. So they alerted like the police over in like that location. And they were like, here's this woman. Like, here's her description. You know, get her. Yeah. Get her, boys. <laughs> and then basically the police showed up. When she went to get off the bus, they ended up just arresting her. And that's how she was caught. Fair enough. I just thought it was a bit funny, just the way it was all played out. Like, the yeah. way she was like, I'm going to run now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leg it. Yeah. See yous. I'm just going <laughs> to see yous later. Upon being checked into custody, she was seen by a doctor for the first time in her life. So she went 19 years without ever seeing a doctor. She was sentenced to one year in prison and as part of the trial, she needed to get a psychiatric evaluation done. Mm-hmm. Psychiatrists concluded that Dorothea did this due to her low self-esteem from her childhood and her divorce. Okay. They also stated that Dorothea would most likely be a repeat offender if she didn't go through some sort of rehabilitation and mm-hmm. psychiatric help to overcome her low self-esteem. Okay, that makes sense. However, she never actually went through any of this. She ended up being released after only four months out of her one year sentence. Not even half of it, like. And apparently she claimed at times that, like, she didn't like committing these crimes, but she had to do it for money. Right. However, when she was in prison, she practiced pickpocketing (sighs) and would spend, like, days practicing signatures, so... I don't know. I think I think she might have liked it a little bit. I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> it's maybe a little bit more than a bit, but yeah. What the hell? In 1952, she met Axel Johansson and mm-hmm. she married him. Okay. So he was a Swedish fisherman, and at the time, Dorothy was going by the alias Thea Singola Nayarda. Yeah, I think that's as close as we're gonna get to be. I, I think. Um, But she claimed that her father was Egyptian and her mother was from Israel. 
She said that she was a former world-renowned chef. Of course. (laughs) And became a rocket but had to stop due to a broken leg. She also claimed that her first husband died in World War II. Which is just bullshit. It's just all complete bullshit. Yeah. It's a lot of bullshit. Axel was away a lot and Dorothy would have multiple men over while he was gone. And apparently like neighbours kind of rat her out and was like, I mean, yeah, while you're away, like there's multiple men coming here. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. So, but when he came back, he noticed that a lot of money was missing and apparently it was due to her gambling. Whoa. She was also drinking a lot. And she kind of just seemed like she just wanted a place to stay for a while. Like, she didn't seem, like, all that into the marriage. Her lies began to get more and more just completely unbelievable. And Axel found out that she was still involved in sex work. And he apparently became very abusive towards her after that. I mean, could just divorce her, but okay. Yeah, like... What she did was fucked up, but you oh, yeah. should have just, you know, left yeah. her. Like, just get a divorce. Like, and... why stay and just be abused? Like, that's, no, that's not fun for anyone. No. Like, what the hell? Okay. Nobody deserves it. He, he's wrong for that. Now. Yeah. So, she began claiming that she was a oh, holistic yeah. healer and started treating neighbours, etc. Like, she had no medical training at all, no. but, like, if, like, any of her neighbours were sick, she would, like, pretend that she knew what she was talking yeah. about and, like treat them like as oh, she, if she was Dorothy. a nurse um you and your lies she opened up a brothel ah, of course behind axel's back and the only way to do it yeah not so <laughs> eventually she was caught and arrested for this too apparently the cops went to a brothel and used like this special powder to mark her and the women that were there Okay. Um, like apparently like they like used this powder on their hand and like they touched like the girls like asses and stuff because then they'd have proof that they let them yeah, which yeah, yeah. is a bit fucking weird and I, um, like, I don't weird. know if that's the best way to go no. about things but what the hell yeah i'm just gonna but move that, does that not mean that they're like contributing to the illegal behaviors there if he's getting i don't know like to go in and pretend that they're like at the same time, this was, like, in the 1950s. Like, I don't really know, like... Oh, yeah, true. ...what they had or, like... They didn't have back then. Back then. Like, I don't know if that was the best way of going about it, but, like, I, I don't know what they had back then, so I'm not gonna say, like... Too much about too it. Too much about <laughs> it. I'm just, just gonna move swiftly past <laughs> it and um, get back to Dorothy. So... They were able to use UV lights as evidence that they were working there and allowed them to touch them, basically. Okay. Um, she ended up getting sentenced to 90 days for being in a house of ill repute. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she was charming and that's why her sentence was reduced. So, like, she oh, was yeah. running a brothel and she only got charged with being in a house of ill repute. She wasn't charged with running it with... Any of that, just... Anything like that. For just being there, basically. For being there. Oh yeah. my god. And I did hear this about her a lot. Like apparently she was She was a charmer. A psychopath. Yeah. Switch she on. was a charmer. It's a trend. Um, apparently she was like really, really beautiful and mm-hmm. even like if you look at pictures of her, which we'll post on our yeah. Instagram, um, 
and our website like if you look at pictures of her she's like she looked like a really sweet granny when she got older and she was like don't even have words just wait till we get into it so she and axel stayed married for three more years in 1961 he had her committed to a mental hospital however she escaped and ran away and they divorced then in 1966 so i don't really know what went on between 61 and 66 but she Mm -hmm. escaped the mental hospital and obviously eventually throughout time they he found her where she went back and they got divorced Mm -hmm. so then she was kind of back to square one she now needs to make money on her own again and what does she what does she do so basically because of her holistic healing powers that she claims she has. <laughs> Dorothea considered that she was able to kind of tell when somebody was just having like a bit of bad luck. It's basically when they were just having a bad time in life. And she said that she always knew kind of what they needed. And she also had ways of like getting things from them. So basically in 1966, she decided to open up an unlicensed boarding house for alcoholics, addicts, the elderly, mentally ill, and then also the homeless. So she referred by helping out these type of people that it was kind of charities and was like the Samaritans. Yeah, she called it the Samaritans, like because it was for like all vulnerable people. Yeah, she was such so, an angel. Yeah, she was such a the dream saint. Like, yeah, bless her. She wasn't. Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you would think she is all true yeah. until until she's not. And then you yeah. know. But basically she would take in anyone who was like vulnerable and her only request in return for this, like she would literally feed them, care for them, clean them. Apparently, she bought them clothes. Yeah. She used to like just basically take. Oh, she used to give them hair. She used to be like super involved. Like she gave yeah. them everything they needed and more to make sure these people were well looked after. And all she asked for in return was for obviously because these people weren't able to take care of themselves, they would get like benefits from the government. So her request was that. The people that she looked after would sign over all their payment checks basically to her instead. Which is fucked up. Yeah. Like. (laughs) Now, yes, fucked up. But one of the things as well that I, when I was like researching it, they were saying is a lot of these people, especially like the likes like recovering alcoholics, addicts, all that kind of stuff. They had to like really manage their money or a lot of them would struggle with their finances. Even people maybe who with disabilities and stuff you know might not have been able to so she kind of had this whole thing phrased like oh i'm just looking after them you know i'm just gonna look after their money i'll take what i need for the fees of the house which apparently she never disclosed by the way she never specified what cost how much so that's how she kind of yeah there was never like this is how much your rent is it was just give me all your social security checks yes and then she would take her lump sum out of it or whatever and then give them the remainder like to the point where they didn't even know kind of what they were getting or what they weren't getting or how much money they were even paying to her yeah because it was just by the time they got it it was already taken it was already taken exactly so she was obviously considered like a staple in her community she always took care of her neighbors and she also you know would frequently donate to charity and she took in those who society had cast aside so that I mean, just to comment on, like, you know, the donating money to charity. None of that money was actually hers. hers. So, not really very charitable if you're... Nah. Yeah. This was all just, like, a front. 
Yeah. It was a front. She made herself seem like the most perfect human being in the world. Like people looked around and were like, Oh, look at her, look at Dorothy. Oh, sweet old lady. Oh my gosh, she's like... incredible. Look at her helping out, you know, all the vulnerable people in our world. Like she's so good, she's a saint, yada 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 when in reality. Literally a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. She is the definition of that. Anyway, so that same year she met Robert Puente. So he was actually a good bit younger than her. I believe it was 20 years. And they ended up getting married in Mexico City. So from the very beginning, like their marriage just was not great. He frequently like cheated on her as well. And she just was not happy at all in this relationship. Even though she was like cheated on from in previous marriages as well. Just this just was not a vibe for her at all. There's this instance where Roberto also apparently punched one of the handymen in the home because it was claimed that the handyman was the one who essentially tipped off Dorothea about Roberto's cheating. And in response to this, Dorothea knocked Roberto out in one punch and he fell down the stairs. Strong woman. And then basically he fled back to Mexico City. So while she was married to Roberto as well, Dorothea would like essentially moan about her marriage yeah. and stuff to her friends and apparently because of their age gap and just because of like the things that Dorothea would say about their marriage her friends basically believed that Roberto and her had like nothing in common and the only reason that he even like went to marry someone like her was just to get like citizenship obviously this was reported back to the police um by witnesses who you know seeing it happen and the boarding house was then shut down. In the 1970s, she opened a new boarding house at 2100 F Street in Sacramento. And this is the house where it all goes down. This was a place where people who had been rejected by all other boarding homes would be accepted. So she would like take on like criminals and all the rest. Like she, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Like even people. Anyone who needed a, a roof over their head. She would take on. She was providing. Yeah, even people who had like issues in other houses and stuff where, I don't know, they might have had scraps or something that caused them to be booted out. She would just take these people all on. So anyone who didn't have checks to sign over, they were all kept in the basement and they all shared just one toilet. And in the basement as well, it wasn't like there were separate rooms. It was literally just one big room with like yeah. curtains, kind of like a hospital ward. Yeah. And that was all they had. Like, they, their toilet, I think, was just, like, separated by, like, a curtain. And that was it. Like Yeah. Like, not the best looking Not the best. And she had people. So, basically, the way that she did it, people who had most money yeah. would get to stay up on, like, the, the top floor of the house. And they all had, like, their own rooms. And they all had, like, better living conditions. Conditions, yeah. So, no one was allowed mail or send mail letters. That kind of stuff. No communication allowed. Um, she also set up a medical office upstairs in the house and claimed that she was a surgeon and she would inject people and tell them there were vitamins. Nobody really knows what she was injecting them with, but like she would be like, oh, it's time for your injection. And they'd be like, oh, what is it? And she'd be like, oh, it's just vitamins. And she, she had no medical training at all. This woman, I swear to God. <laughs> she also convinced the doctor that would visit to check people in the boarding house that she had a medical background and he invited her to be his assistant. The only off-putting thing people found 
was her crazy lies. That was like the only thing that people found abyssal about yeah. her. Like, like people knew that she was lying about a lot of stuff because it was just completely unbelievable and she was just mm-hmm. a pathological liar. So Chief was a man who was staying with Puente and she basically made him a handyman at the boarding house. So she ended up giving him a job to basically dig up the basement and then put down a concrete slab over the basement floor. He was also asked to take down the garage that they had outside and then put in another concrete slab over there. And then after he did all this work, Chief disappeared, never to be seen again. Yeah, and that's literally the last time we'll hear about chief he was just never yeah. seen again and then he gone. just come he came did all the work that she asked him to do and then he was just never seen again Poof. Poof. so moving on to dorothea's fourth husband who was actually a tenant in the home at one point and no way yeah <laughs> so he was tenant at the home and eventually began working on the grounds there mm-hmm but apparently he was physically abusive and a raging alcoholic. So the marriage only actually lasted a few months and then it was annulled. So I didn't even get what his name was. But well, I suppose a few months. like Yeah. And then plus I heard that one of the reasons why this is really hard to research. Like any of like the YouTubers and stuff that I've watched do videos covering this case. I watch a lot of true crime YouTubers. Uh, we'll link a few of them if you want in the resources. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> it's been a very long day. But um, yeah, basically, even they were all saying, like a lot of them at the start of it, they were like, this case was a nightmare to research. Yeah, it's very hard to find like what actually happened, especially considering she lied so much. That's literally what I was going to say. That, I was like, like, it's due to yeah. all her lies. <laughs> even people who knew her don't know what the happened. Truth. Yeah. But one thing that I found really helpful doing my research was listening to Morbid's podcast, which oh, is yes. our favorite podcast. Literally, um, they are literally the reason that we have a podcast. Yes. Um, I hope maybe one day in the future, like in the very, very distant future, they hear us. Yeah, me too. That would be like a dream that would be come the dream. True. I can imagine. I'd... I would die. Oh, my heart would my stop beating, God. and I would drop yeah. dead. At the end. But we love them. Like, they kind of covered it really, really well. And mm-hmm. I did, like, I got a lot of my research from them. And they used, like, three books that were actually published about Tortilla. And, yeah. like, they looked at all three of them and they were able to kind of piece everything piece together. Everything together. So yeah. I would listen to this, listen to us and listen to our part two and then yes, go listen course. to Morbid's. <laughs> if you're here, us first, please. Yeah. <laughs> she did keep his name for a while just to have a different identity. Mm-hmm. She gave money to tenants' families when they were in need, but again, it was all stolen. Mm-hmm. She then began telling people that she was dying of cancer. However, she just had like a le- a cancerous lesion removed from her nose, but like she was telling people that she, she was, was dying. like dying. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing that people would turn around and be like, "Hey, Dorothea, why are you still alive? Like, I thought you were dying. <laughs> I thought you were dying. Well." I don't oh know. She, she didn't think yeah. that true at all, did she? No. Like, you can't lie about dying. <laughs> in 1977, Robert Davis, a former tenant, was in prison. And he noticed mm-hmm. that he was not receiving his social security checks. So he called to find out what was going on. And like he was told that they were being cashed. Mm-hmm. And he obviously immediately thought of Dorothea. Yeah. Because obviously she had access to all of them while he was living there. So he reported her immediately and an investigation 
was completed and it was confirmed that Dorothea had forged at least another 34 social security checks. Oh my god, Dorothea yeah. just didn't give a flying fuck, did she? She didn't, like, she, she didn't was care. just... She was, like, she didn't even take that shit through. She was a nasty bitch, <laughs> like, she was just the worst of the worst. She just didn't care. Obviously, as usual, she was able to talk herself out of all this, but did have to undergo therapy. This was when she was diagnosed with chronic, undifferentiated schizophrenia makes sense she was forced to give up the board house in the process she moved to stockton and was working odd jobs and out in bars trying to pick up rich men so like she was still out there like just going to bars trying to pick up men like seeing what she could get from them like she just did not learn she just didn't care she was still forging checks and got caught again and she got out of it again like she was just i i don't understand like i like they just let her get away with so much yeah like i know she was a charmer but i mean how did she get away with this much? she was obviously a master manipulator yeah definitely in 1979 she lied her way into a job as a nurse's aide for elderly patients and that same year is when she met ricardo odorica at a bar called Joe's Corner. She approached him about a second floor apartment that he was renting. She said that, he said that she could have it, but that it's not done yet. So like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like finished being done up. But she moved in and the family loved her. She used to babysit for their kids. She tutored Ricardo and his wife Veronica in English. Like she was just a dream tenant. Uh So she explained that she needed to leave for a while to take care of an elderly patient, um, but that she would be coming back. Mm-hmm. This patient was Esther Busby. So when Dorothea went to live with her, she started having like this weird illness where she would be really, really sick, get mm-hmm. hospitalized, come near the brink of death, and then suddenly get better. Weird. Yeah. This only started when Dorothea started working for her. Dr. Jerome Lackner was especially concerned about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Adult Protective Services agreed to investigate, but Dorothea got wind of this and took Esther to a different hospital the next time she was in, like, she got this illness. Yeah. So, Dr. Lackner found phenobarbital, a medication that was not prescribed to Esther, but Dorothea. Oh my god. Yeah. And obviously it was in Esther's system. Wonder how that got there. Hmm. Yeah. So, she reached out to Esther's family and was taking money from them to, like, claiming Esther needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Esther fired Dorothea when she found out. And Esther was later placed in a nursing home where Dorothea actually visited her and brought food. She was immediately sick afterwards. So she was still showing up to this nursing home and trying yeah. to poison this woman. What the hell? Why? Why at this? Like, I don't know. Oh my God. But unfortunately, she did die the following year. Dr. Lackner tried to get the death labeled as suspicious. However, this was not approved. She did this to another woman in 1991 while working as a nurse and a cook. So this was Dorothy Gosling, age 84. Mm-hmm. She had $4,000 worth of jewellery taken from her. She had basically passed out. Yeah. So Dorothy had basically dosed her. And when she woke up, the money was missing. She later found out that Dorothy did drug her. That is so messed up. 
That is so scary. That is literally so scary. Yeah. Like you all, do you know what's so messed up, right? You grow up and you hear about, oh, be careful. There's like yeah. a big scary man who might drug you. He drugs women. And then there was like this crazy old hag that looked like a sweet old nanny going around drugging people. Yeah. Robbing <laughs> people. Like it just, like, I don't know. Look, maybe I have the wrong mentality here, but. I feel like if I'm walking up the road and there's an old person walking next to me, like an old man, but especially an old nanny, I would not think of them as a threat in the slightest. In any way, shape or form. The thought would not even cross my mind that they would try and cause me any form of harm. When I was 16, a granny actually grabbed me on the street and was like in a panic, like, help me cross the road, help me cross the road. And I did not feel yeah. threatened at all. I just helped her cross the road. Yeah. And then got on with my day. Yeah. And then here's this bitch. Like, you're ruining nannies for everyone. You're just... A, she's just, like, a sociopath, a psychopath. She's just... I hate her. I hate her. And I hate her even more for what's about to happen. So, Dorothea went to a bar one night. And that's where she met the 70-year-old man named Malcolm McKenzie. So, this was in the bar that we mentioned earlier, Joe's Corner. So he was a local at that bar and he'd go there almost every night and then basically just sit around and just have a chat with people. He just wanted to socialise. Like, how cute is that? Like, sweet old people. Yeah, he used to just go out, you know, to the local, just have a chat. I think we all know someone like that. Yeah, exactly. It's just cute. When he was at the spa one particular night, he walks in, Miss Dorothea herself. So, obviously, she turns on the charm with him, has a little flirt, and he eventually ends up being like, hey, do you want to come back to my place? (laughs) So, anyways, they end up making their way up to his house, and when they arrive there, he's suddenly feeling, like, very, very drunk. Yeah. Now, he was... Like, you know, he, he knew his way around the bar. He was there every night. He yeah. could hold his drink. He could hold his drink. He was a man. He, you know, 74 years of age. He knows his ish. Yeah. Like, he was able to hands own. He was there going, like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, to the point where he couldn't even, like, stand. One of the things that he said was, like, he was, like, self-aware. Basically, his body felt like he was drunk. Like, he couldn't control his body. Like, he was super drunk. But his mind was still, like... So you know the way when you're drunk, yeah. your, your brain is, like drunk as well and your brain says stupid shit all the time in your head well like he was perfectly sober and he was like what's going on so he ends up kind of like passing out on his couch where basically he became like almost paralyzed he wasn't able to move wasn't able to speak or anything but he was still able to see he still knew what was going on he still knew what was going on yeah and this is actually devastating yeah so while he's there you know unable to move speak not really understanding what the hell's happening he sees Dorothea going around opened up his drawers going through all this shit and she ended up stealing everything she upended the house she even took the ring off his finger before she left yeah and then how fucked up is that i'm pretty sure it was him as well that had like some kind of penny collection man no like how what like why why would you steal you're stealing the ring off his fucking fingers why do you need his penny collection it was just so fucked up. Oh my god, piece of shit. And like, he I was, he was paralysed for hours. And imagine how terrified he would have been. Yeah. Anyways, once he did eventually, you know, get the motion back in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> once he got the motion back in his body, um, he ended up contacting the police. 
And they actually caught her trying to cash his check. So she claimed at the time to be in her 70s when she was actually in her 50s. She claimed this to him as well. Yeah, she did. And she was arrested again. But she convinced him that she had a condition that made her forget stuff. And guess what? The police believed her. They were just like, oh, okay. So one week later, she becomes the caretaker to an 82-year-old woman named Irene Gregory. At this point in time, she obviously was like caught as whatever her last alias was. So yeah. She was like, better change it again. I think she was Taya at that time. Taya. Well, oh, yeah. 100% she, I don't know. I think yeah. she was still Taya. I think that was the last alias that we knew yeah. she was using. But to be fair with this woman, no you, one knows. You don't know. Yeah. No she had knows. so many different aliases. It was unbelievable. It's impossible to keep track of yeah. this. <laughs> but anyways, this time she was Betty Pearson. So one time when she was taking Irene's blood pressure... She turned around and said to Irene that she was carrying too much water and that she needed to take water pills to regulate her system. And at the time, Irene ended up like immediately passing out because she didn't actually need to take these pills. Yeah, it it can have like really bad effects if you're taking these pills. I mean, like Dorothea was not medically trained in any shape or form. She had no type of qualification. So like, why are you? Yeah. And apparently there was also sedatives and sleeping pills in there as well. Of course. So, like the Dorothea way. When Irene woke up, she found out that Dorothea or Betty, as she mm-hmm. was going by, had taken her diamond ring. And she had also taken medications like sedatives and sleeping pills from her that were diagnosed to or, sorry, that were prescribed, prescribed to yeah. her. And apparently she did this for months to many elderly women. So I'm going to tell you about one more woman named Ruth Monroe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we'll finish part one. And then in part two, we'll just get into the really crazy fucked yes. up shit that happened. Yes. And you're probably thinking, how can this get more crazy and fucked up? Oh, it does. This, I, I'm easing you into what this yeah. woman is actually like. She is a fucking Antichrist. monster. Yeah, she is yeah. just... The worst of the worst. I think I've said that like 10 times. No, but she really is. It's true. So, in 1982, Dorothea was working as a part-time cook in a bar called The Flame Club. Mm -hmm. While working there, she was working with a man named Harold Monroe. He basically introduced her to his wife named Mm -hmm. Ruth Monroe. So, he had actually been recently diagnosed with terminal cancer. And Ruth and Dorothy became really good friends. They became really close. So Dorothy was kind of there for Ruth when Harold had been diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And like she'd been really supportive. She met Ruth's family, including her son Bill. And like he asked to call her grandma, apparently. So it was serious. They were like really, really close. Mm-hmm. And they were so close that they actually decided to open a business together because Dorothea was a really good cook and Ruth had worked in restaurants before and she kind of knew the business side of things. Mm-hmm. And they Perfect decided deal. like, yeah, why not open a catering business? Literally right? us with the podcast. With the podcast, yeah. They're like, hey, let's start doing a podcast. <laughs> Obviously, we're, it's not the same as opening the business, but yeah. No, but still. Unfortunately for Ruth... This meant opening a joint bank account. Bad idea, Ruth. Bad <laughs> idea. Bad idea, Ruth. Worst yeah. idea of your life. But you can't really blame her. Like, Dorothea was putting on I this act of, like, yeah. I'm a really supportive friend and we're going to do this together and earn mm-hmm. all this money. So, completely manipulate her. The business didn't end up going very well. Mm-hmm. And Harold really wasn't doing great at the time. And he was in and out of hospital. It was really stressful for him and Ruth and unfortunately he ended up passing away 
eventually. But Ruth moved in with Dorothea as a roommate in her apartment in April of 1982. So the apartment that she was renting. Mm -hmm. Bill, Ruth's son, would often stop by to see his mom. And everything seemed to be going well. She was kind of settling in. They were really close. Mm -hmm. They were basically family. And Ruth seemed pretty happy in her new living arrangements. Except for the last three days of her life. Bill noticed that she had suddenly lost weight and started drinking. Despite not being a drinker like she never really Mm -hmm. took to drinking she was drinking creme de menthe every time her kids went to see her from then on Mm -hmm. she told her son that dorothea had made her a drink to calm her nerves over the failure of their business and the loss of their of her money Mm -hmm. which is strange like if you're so close to a woman like you should know that she doesn't Doesn't drink drink. yeah why you just start being like oh yeah here start drinking like yeah you're quote unquote friends vulnerable as well like yeah you should know how to calm a person's nerves if you're that close. If you're considering each other. Yeah, family. why you just have like bottle feeding them drink essentially? Yeah. Like when you're pissed off, I need to know if I need to like participate and like be yeah. like, yeah, fuck that. And then I need to know if I need to be like, okay, Nancy, you need to calm down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, true. But her kids were confused as to why she shouldn't suddenly needed like round the clock care and why she was like deteriorating yeah. and drinking all the time. And like Ruth was completely brainwashed she was just like no like Dorothy is looking after me like I'm I'm grand I'm going through a lot and I'm in a lot of pain so. I mean I'd say definitely mentally she was going through a lot like the, yeah. I, I don't doubt that one bit but I mean for her to physically start deteriorating like that out of nowhere and then the drinking I mean those are some pretty big red flags yeah so she ended up seeing a friend at the hair salon and she looked like awful Mm -hmm. and there was a friend there getting her hair done too and like she was like look like what's going on what happened and she was like i can't talk to you i think i'm going to die oh my god when root son and daughter went to visit her the next day his mother was so sick like she she couldn't get out of bed Mm -hmm. so bill asked if she could go check on her but dorothea tried to convince him not to go and, like, she didn't go to a hospital or anything because, like, Dorothea was supposedly a nurse. Yeah. So like, she was sense. like, oh, I'm going to look after you. It's okay. You don't need to go to the hospital. But mm-hmm. Bill was like, no, I'm going to check on my mom. Like, fuck yeah. you. So he, when he went in to check on her, like, she didn't say anything. Like, her eyes were just, like, full of tears. Like, mm-hmm. she looked really, really sick. And Dorothea ended up calling Bill and Rosie her daughter mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and said that their mother was not doing well and that she was calling 911 when they got there she said to them like your mother's dead no at words f- yeah like <laughs> at first Dorothy claimed it was her heart however toxicology reports revealed that she had deadly levels of acetaminophen codeine and meprobamate I'm probably saying that wrong. I apologize. I don't even know how to begin to say those words. <laughs> in her bloodstream. None of this was prescribed to her. And like extremely large amounts yeah. were found. This medication was found far away from her. And like she wasn't able to move. So it's not like she was taking it. Mm-hmm. Further testing showed that she hadn't eaten in days. All that she had had was alcohol and drugs. So like all that was in her stomach was all those drugs I listed off and creme de menthe. A month earlier, she had had a physical exam and mm-hmm. she was healthy. And one month later, she was in this state. So it was like... Mm, the only factor yeah. is Dorothea. Like, yeah, their business went down and stuff like that. But like, you That's wouldn't still be like very this. fast. Yeah. Like, so... Not a long time. 
Dorothy claimed that Ruth had killed herself. Yeah. Due to her husband passing away and like she was really stressed about their business not working out. Yeah. But this didn't make sense because the overdose amounts were so high. Yeah. Like she would not take that much. And how did she even get to it if she was unable to move? Yeah. It just, it doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. At the time, like it was only 1982. So they didn't have a way to prove that Ruth Monroe had not killed herself. Yeah. Um, her death was ruled suspicious, I think, but Dorothea was not investigated as far as yeah. I know or convicted. Her son, however, is convinced that his mother didn't commit suicide, mm-hmm. but that instead was murdered by Dorothea Puente, which if you don't already think she did, you definitely will soon. But I'm just going to leave you on that yes. little cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, evil, but I love a good cliffhanger. Yeah, so we will be coming out with part two soon yes. and it's absolutely insane if you think this was insane so far just prepare yourself for part two um it's it's gonna get intense it's gonna gonna get get weird it's gonna get wild detailed it's It's gonna get insane insane yeah (laughs) we named our podcast well because it's it is insane (laughs) it's insane but yeah so that is all for today thank you so much for listening i just wanted to announce as well we got a request to put our podcast up on Podvine. So we have gone ahead and done that. So if you're listening somewhere and you'd rather be listening there, you can go ahead and tune in there. We are trying to get on YouTube. It's a work in progress. Yes, I've had people actually say that to me as well. Yeah, a lot YouTube. of people are asking for YouTube. So I'm working on it. Yeah, um, we'll hopefully when we're releasing part two, we will be up there. But we also have a Snapchat now. We do. Um, it's insane podcast because insane investigations is too long for a username yeah so i just called it insane podcast but we'll be doing little announcements there also we hit 200 listens which is insane we were absolutely shocked that long since we hit 100 like it's it's not it was only like a week and a half ago we hit 100 so we are shocked we really really appreciate it yeah thanks everyone who's been supporting us so far But yeah, I think that's all of our news for this week. I'm just going to apologise for ending on a cliffhanger because I know it can be annoying. Yeah. We will, however, try get these episodes out quite shortly after. Like my aim ideally would be to have one released and then have the second part released. I don't think we'd be able to the following day, maybe the day after. Yeah, maybe like two days apart or something. Yeah, like maximum. We'll try our best to get them out to you fairly quick because I know there's nothing worse than waiting and going, oh my God, what happens next? (laughs) We just didn't want to give you like a three hour long episode either. And this is just a mental case. But yeah, so in the meantime, you can follow us on all of our social media. Yes, you can. Um, Facebook and Instagram is Insane Investigations. Our Snapchat is Insane Podcast. Mm-hmm. Site is InsaneInvestigationsPodcast.com. Yeah, we are still salty. Still salty. Um, <laughs> have to say that. If you have any cases that you want us to cover yes. or anything like that, you can always pop us an email at InsaneInvestigations at gmail.com. Yes, you can. But yeah, that's so, all for tonight, today, whatever it whatever is when it you're is, listening when you're to listening this. to this. Yeah, thank you so much for listening today and we will talk to you soon, hopefully. Bye. Bye. Bye.